I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. You get to meet somebody today that I was on Instagram and she caught my attention. And then I listened to her on some podcasts. Of course, you know me going down the rabbit hole and had to reach out to share her with you because her story is incredible. And her name is Betty Degano. And gosh, go to her Instagram. It's Buddha Betty. And you'll understand once you listen to this episode why people like her just amaze me and make you realize that there's a way bigger reasons in life that things come into your path. And the when you look at something that's wrong or, you know, with her, it was drugs and I mean, she'll tell you everything, but it's just like you look at her before and after pictures and just three years ago from her drug addiction to now, it's like incredible and why she had to go through that her whole life to get to where she helps people now. And it's just a beautiful story of remembering that as you go down life and you think, oh, I wish I didn't do that or gosh, that was the wrong decision or you know, for her, you know, why did I, how did I get into drugs? I, you know, her mom and dad were drug addicts. So, you know, it was in her family. But to realize that, you know, I always, you know, how I tell my girls, like everything's always working for you, never to you. And to always remember that in life, that on everything, it's always for your highest good. Betty's story is all that. But I, I was thinking, I always think like, how can I tie in for this episode, something about my life and how I reflected on it. But I, I got a text from Paige this week and she, you know, they started school back up after Christmas break and they had to, they started new classes and she had to tell her one teacher what her biggest lesson of 2023 was. So she was so excited and had to send it to me. So I'm reading it and I'm going to read it really quick to you, but I was reading it and I was thinking of Betty because I'm like, gosh, Paige is 17 years old. She's realized that everything is working for you because I say that all the time. But now, like I always say in the teenage years, I've seen the fruit of my labor come through and I'm like of all the things I preach, but I'm going to read this to you because it does pertain to our life and When you think of Buddha Betty, (laughs) Betty is her story and how Paige relates to that part of her life and how everything is always for you. It just takes all the pressure off when something comes into your life. Remember, it's like, it's a gift. Like you, you know, these things are for you, you know, and to never get 
looked at anything in life to um, weigh you down or put you in a lower vibration because, you know, it's upsetting, but to find the magic in it. And I'm just going to read this. It's really short, but it's just a beautiful culmination of a 17 year old looking at her life last, looking at her life now from this perspective. And I'm so proud of her. I have to share it. (laughs) So she said, the biggest lesson I learned is that everything happens for a reason, especially after last year, achieving my successes and failures. I learned that whatever is for me will not pass me by. Sometimes what I thought was for me and what I wanted so bad, I didn't get or didn't happen. But the obstacles I had turned into opportunities and redirection for something better. I also learned that sometimes the worst failures are the biggest lessons and the best things that can happen to you. After coming short of a goal or losing a relationship, I had learned that the lessons in each thing you experience can help you become a better person. Sometimes the things you want to happen so bad turn into a learning experience. And now looking back at the things that didn't work out for me, I'm so glad they didn't because it was God saving me from it. So when I read that, I was like, oh, yes. (laughs) To learn that at 17 and to realize that, can you imagine what her life is going to look like? Like, yeah, there's going to be things that happen, but to have that perspective... And I just wish that for everyone and every parent that's out there, like start instilling those those mindsets to your kids, like that mindset of, gosh, I wonder why that happened. Like there's going to be something magical from it. And to live that way without the stress or the, you know, like I always say, bringing down your vibration and and to change it. It's so amazing. And I just, it's just a proud mom moment because I'm so, to see that come together is just so beautiful. And now that you can listen to Betty talk about her life and reflect on your life, because that's how we listen to podcasts, because we're learning and growing from other people's experiences. And I've learned so much from her. And I mean, I just adore her. She is the cutest personality and you'll get what I mean. But anyway, I'm excited for you to meet her. I just had my retreat. Oh my gosh, I can't even explain the magic that unfolded in that. Man, am I grateful that, you know, setting that intention that one day saying on January 21st, I'm going to do a retreat. And then it all came together within days. And thanks to Kate and who brought the place together. She had it flash in her shower after she listened to the podcast. I know where you're going to have it. And then everybody that came to, I mean, my Lisa with the breath work, Annie with the sound bath and Megan, and then um, Kate Ekman. And Lawn Art, who have been on the podcast, came and spoke. Uh, it was a beautiful day, beautiful location at Zlack, right here in Mission Bay. The people that came from Arizona, LA, my dearest friend Jordan from Atlanta flew here to come to it. And old friends that I hadn't seen came and new friends from the Zlack group came. Oh my gosh. And it was sold out. We had a waiting list. (laughs) So it's just the beginning. And I get so excited because I'm creating a tribe and the tribe came from this podcast. And it's amazing to think that, you know, like not knowing in 2020 and now it's 24 years later that a podcast could create this amazing experience, this amazing learning I mean, I've grown and expanded so much from this and I am so grateful. And there's so many more retreats. I'm manifesting a 
uh, I'm just like so creating like more in live person after events after that because it's so magical to come together and share these moments of uncovering our magic. Like it's so important to do that. And I want you to reach out and email me if you want to go get on the list for the next one. I'm manifesting one. I'm thinking March or April. So put your, send me your email and I will put you on the list. And another amazing thing that's happening to me right now is I just hit a million downloads and it took, so it'll be April will be my four year mark. And man, four years ago in April, when I said those, (laughs) put those three solo episodes out, little did I even think I would still be doing this. And gosh, talk about looking back, you know, like looking back on four years of my life, I've grown more than anything. And to see that a million people, (laughs) I mean, crazy. But when I see that number on my analytics, like 1 million people, are you kidding me? They really listen to my my podcast. So anything is possible, people. And anyway, I'm just so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And for everybody subscribing and reviewing, the reviews are amazing. And I'm so grateful for that and for always sharing it with your friends and emailing me and going on my website and checking out my classes and signing your kids up for Raising Confidence. (laughs) That is amazing. And how that came from this podcast. So there's so many beautiful things that have come from this and I'm just overwhelmed with such gratitude. And now with this, these retreats happening and I just see a future of connection and that's my, my word for the year is connection. So connect with me. You know how I love that. And then our Monday calls, the first Monday of every month is our five o'clock Pacific call. So if you want to get on that, which we have actually Kate Rossi is going to be the, speaker at our next one in February. So you're going to want to hear her story and her gifts that have come through with all her work that she's done. It'll be a very amazing Monday night call. So all are welcome. And I will send you the Zoom link. Just email me or connect with me on Instagram or Facebook, and I will send you the Zoom link. So without further ado... Oh, you're going to love Betty. (laughs) The Tuesday that this goes out, I will be like coming out of my bed. So excited to hear what you guys are going to think about Betty. So make sure you send me your messages about Betty because you are going to adore her like I do. So without further ado, let's bring my little Betty, my new Betty friend, (laughs) Betty Degano on the show. Welcome, Betty. As I said before, I hit record with you. I have really, 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 really enjoyed learning about you. And I had to share you with my world because I just, you know, there's people, and I know you talk about this too, but there's people in our lives, especially now in this world that we live in, I really feel like like your soul family connect, you know, having this podcast, it's really been awakening for me to see who I connect with. And then when I feel that, I feel that with you is my point. I feel this connection. I know you don't know me, but I know you and I feel like I have a connection with you. I'm wondering like, why did Betty come in my life? I mean, I'm, I'm going to let you share it. I know you've talked about it so much, but I have to let you share it because when this happened, March 23rd of 2019, oh my gosh, that's not that long ago. 
and to think where you were before that, like that's where you go, what? And I see you now talk and what you're doing and you're now in your purpose and you're on this path. It's incredible. So let's hear about Betty because I want to share you with everybody. Thank you for doing a little bit of research that you knew the date of my awakening. That just made me feel so special. <laughs> Thank you oh, so much it. for that. But yeah, I had this really transformative spiritual experience on March 23rd of 2019, which is the beginning of the season of Aries, which is a symbol of rebirth. And it's right where, you know, the spring equinoxes. And I think that there's symbolism there because for me, it was truly a rebirth and My life before my awakening was I was completely impoverished. I was homeless. I was a drug addict. I was a prostitute. I've experienced every kind of trauma a person can. And I've also been the traumatizer to other people in almost every capacity that you could imagine as well. And there's a saying, hurt people, hurt people, and healed people, heal people. Well, I guess in this lifetime, I I wanted to experience both of those things. But for the first part of my life, I definitely did do a lot of harm to other people. When I had my spiritual experience, I experienced all of that in a life review, that I got to feel what I had done to others and what others had done to me. And I had experienced a lot of really dense energy in my life. And one of the main parts of my life review was experiencing the death of my parents. And in 2007, my parents committed suicide together. They were dealing with their own addiction and poverty and trauma and everything that goes along with living a life like that. And and yeah, my parents' suicide, I experienced that not only from their point of, from my point of view, but also from their point of view. Like I felt their anguish and just, you know, the intense, feeling of despair. Like those are the best human words that I can find, but it actually felt like hell. And so I thought that I had died and then I, and that I was trapped in hell. And then I started hearing these masculine voices. One of the voices was the voice of my father. And he was saying, you are worthy of all the love in the universe. You are worthy of all the love in the universe. And I started to follow that voice and I was guided into the light. And I'll I'll share what that experience was like. My experience, everything looked a lot like a video game. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of imagery like that in my experience. And that could be because of the generation that I'm born in or because of the fact that we're living in a simulation, whichever, whichever right. you prefer. That's my belief system. Anyway. How, how old are you in your 40s? I just turned 40. 40, yeah. okay. Yeah. So I definitely, I, I don't know a lot about video games, but I grew up playing Sonic the Hedgehog on Sega Genesis. And I feel like my life, now that I look can look at it through that lens, is I'm Sonic. I'm on this adventure in this game. I die. My little body flashes. It goes back to a reset point and I have an opportunity to try the level over again. And I find that now in my life, I'm constantly in this process of death and rebirth. I'm constantly being birthed into a more authentic version of myself, a more healed version of myself. And as time goes on, it just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. It's like I'm gathering more and more lives. So it doesn't matter if I fail and I have to try again because I I have like a a big stamina stat next to my little computer avatar. So the first part of my spiritual experience was that I landed on the deck of a spaceship 
And there was a commander in the center of the ship. And you can call that commander Christ or Krishna, Buddha, whatever language resonates for you. It's all the same thing. That was part of my spiritual download. That's my belief anyway, that it's all the same thing. We just use different different words in different cultures. So Christ consciousness is like standing in the center of this spaceship and there's thousands of other souls around me and I perceive them in their light bodies. So and you're looking at, so you're seeing it. What are you seeing? You're just so seeing it look, like it looks light? like, have you ever been on the Gravitron ride in at carnivals? Have you ever yes, seen I that saw ride? That, I saw that part when you had that on. a. Yes. Yeah. So it looked, that's what it felt like. And it felt like I came out of the side of one of those walls where like you throw yourself upside down and I came out of the side of that wall. And so in the center where the game operator would be in the Gravitron ride, maybe there's some symbolism there, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was like this bright beaming light. So no form didn't like look like Jesus okay. or anything. It just was this really bright white light. And everybody around is like glowing and super excited. And our commander is gearing us up for our jump to earth. And everybody is like, I can't wait. Send me. Let's go. And everybody's so excited and so ready. And so that's the moment when I was downloaded with this understanding that I'm a spiritual warrior and I'm here for the great awakening, that there's a transformation of consciousness happening on the planet and I'm here for it. Now, mind you, before my experience, militant atheist. I didn't even know how to spell the word spirituality. I had never <laughs> heard of a chakra, definitely never heard of the great awakening. That This was not part of my picture. So afterwards, finding confirmation of these things on the internet to me was just like doors opened uh. up and just windows of my mind. I was I felt so understood and it really brought my experience into confirmation for me when I found things on the internet later. So that was the first part of my experience. And so now I have this awareness that I'm a divine spiritual soldier. Okay. Uh, My awareness shifts to another scene and I find myself in front of a table of beings and they didn't tell me who they were, but they didn't have to because they were most certainly people in charge. And I did not even need to question it. I knew that they were in charge of whatever I was doing there. And they had this big, huge book and they were thumbing through it. And they said, okay, good to see you. You're not meant to stay. You're only here for information and for a short time. So we'll be sending you back momentarily. And I'm looking around me. I'm like, you guys aren't talking to me, right? Because I don't know where I am, but this place feels groovy. And I am definitely not leaving because where I just came from did not feel so groovy. And they're like insisting, thumbing through the book. No, 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 you're not meant to stay. You're only here for a moment. And I transform into a small child. And now it's all starting to really come into my awareness where I am. I'm home. And they're trying to send me back to this vacation, quote unquote, of Earth. And I am not interested in coming back to Earth. And I transform into a small child on the ground. I'm like, you know, banging my figurative hands and feet. I don't have a body there, but that's what it felt like. And they said, let us take you through the details of your pre-birth plan. That's the information that you're here for. And so then my the scene shifted to another scene and I found myself in this gigantic grocery store. And there was a man who led me through it. And we had this big empty grocery cart and he looked back at me and he said, okay, pick your life. And so lining the walls of the grocery store aisles were these giant cereal boxes of life experience. And every cereal box had a different it had a different saying on it. So 
I knew that I was coming to earth to transmute negative energy for the great awakening. And I knew the family line that I was going to be born into because that was one of the cereal boxes that I picked. And so I knew some of the life experiences that were going to go along with being born into that particular family. I was being born into a family of poor people, of white people, of Italian and Jewish descent. And I was also being born into a very traumatized family line. So I start grabbing all my cereal boxes, right? I got to experience childhood sexual trauma, homelessness, prostitution, drug addiction. These were all things that were going to go along with the body that I was being born into and and some of the life experiences that my soul was taking on to transmute for the collective. One of the main things that really sticks out for me in this pre-birth planning process is the fact that I chose these major levels of adversity for myself. Now, in my life, I always felt like a victim to my circumstance. I had been abused from the time that I can remember all the way up until my adulthood in every capacity that a person can be. I had this tragic death of my parents when I was 23 years old. I've had tortured relationships, just toxic, codependent relationships, friendships that constantly fail, always moving, no no stability, no foundation. And in this moment of being downloaded with this pre-birth plan, I'm realizing that I, as a soul, actually chose all of this. So I was no longer a victim to my circumstance in this moment. I was a divine co-creator of my experience. Things had no longer happened to me. They had actually happened for me because on some soul level, I had chosen it for the involvement of myself. Okay, so when you're in that grocery store and you're picking the boxes, is he leading you and helping you pick them? Or are you really just saying, I'm going to have the hardest life? Because when I think of a soul... You know, I look at evolution and, you know, like I've interviewed people and talk, talking about soul levels and how you have to go through every, you know, I've been homeless, I've been a murderer, I've been, you know, all these things. And when I think of you and picking those those experiences that you've had in your life, like your soul really wanted that growth because you wanted to really, really awaken, like you'd already done. I mean, I, that's where I, like, are you on this like catapulting, like you know, thing that you're just, I'm going to go all in this time. Typically, I'm the second coming of Christ. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So I, you know, okay. So my life experience to me and to you, it might seem like it's really challenging, right? But I could have picked a life cart where I was born in a country that doesn't have clean running water and people die of starvation on a daily basis. You know, so for me, you know, for for me and you, like right now looking at this, this seems like a challenging life. And it is. I'm not saying that it that it wasn't. It absolutely was. But to whose perception? You know, right. like would a kid in a country that doesn't have clean running water, would they take my life over theirs? Who knows? And And maybe that has been my life before. Or maybe it's all happening simultaneously all at the exact same moment. I don't know if this life is because... I'm really going for my triple doctorate in divinity in soul school, or maybe I'm like a ninth year senior and I just couldn't get it together in every other lifetime. And so now they've all piled on top of each other, all my lessons that I wanted to learn and I never could complete them. So I go back and forth with different theories all the time. I've heard people say that Earth is the Yale, the Harvard, the Ivy League of spiritual schools. But sometimes I often wonder if this is actually like the high school for pregnant teens and bad kids. 
<laughs> and I go back and forth all the time, obviously thinking that we're in the Ivy League of schools is much more comforting right. than the opposite. But yeah, you know, so for me, picking all those life experiences, I know that I'm not just doing it for my own individual soul personality, which actually doesn't even exist when you think about the oneness of everything. Right. But for, for my human linear mind, that's what helps me understand it. But I don't know if I'm doing it for the involvement of that particular soul profile or if I'm doing it for the collective consciousness itself. And, you know, my download was very clear that I am here for the great awakening and that I'm transmuting negative energy, not just for myself, but for the entire collective itself. Think about all the women in your life that you know that didn't have an opportunity to process their sexual trauma in their life. I right. get to take that on, hmm. not only for me, but for other women too. And so I stay really vigilant in my healing because I feel like it's uh, the purpose is much, much bigger. If I just thought that I was doing it for myself, I might give up because right. you know I would much rather care for somebody else than myself, You know, even right. at this point in my spiritual integration process. Right. Okay. So now you've gone through this awakening. You call it the Kundalini going through your whole body, went through with your head like a plunger, right? The plunger yes. went to the top of your head and exploded. Yes. Yes. It felt like when my chakra started to open up, it felt like when my third eye and my crown opened that my spirit just shot right out of the top of my head. Wow. So go back to the place where you took the hallucinogenics. I've never done drugs. So I've never done ayahuasca or anything like that. So I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, if I did that, if I did decide to do that one day in my life, you know, you hear people, you know, that's a whole that opens up what you did, like seeing the buildings when you're in New York, walking away from the, from the laundromat. Cause for me, like not having done drugs or having that experience of that kind of out of body type of feeling. When I hear that and I'm going through what you went through, to me, I'm thinking, gosh, if I did drugs, like, would I have that experience? Why did you have that? Well, that was part of your, one of your cereal boxes. So by the way, I'm so impressed that you've actually listened to like other interviews that I've done. I feel so special right now. I can't even put it into words. <laughs> okay. um, I feel like so famous. You are. You are to me. <laughs> like seeing you on on live video with me is like, oh my gosh, I get to be with Betty for I an hour. That. That's so sweet. So yeah, you know, I was the kind of drug addict. I don't have a lot of great words to explain what kind of addict I was. I was one of those addicts that you see on the street mumbling to themselves incoherently and you avoid them, you know, or wow. somebody asking you for change. Like that's the kind of drug addict that I was. And I had addictions to so many different kinds of substances. I had this very long drug log that I did every day. And so the day that I had this overdose that onset my awakening process, I was on every substance that you could imagine. And I had taken extra of particular things. So I had taken um, an overdose basically of psychedelics, of, of psilocybin. And um, yeah, you know, and I was just going to go do my laundry. I was like, eh, laundry day, like whatever. Make it let's, fun. Go get, let's go get weird, you know? <laughs> and I had no idea what was going to take place. So the way that I understand it from the downloads that I've received after with the pre-birth planning information is that I picked out the major plot points of my life. So some of my particular major plot points were 
addiction, recovery, spiritual awakening. All of those things I had not gotten to in my life yet, except for the addiction part. That one, I was really getting down in a super great <laughs> way. I was like, I'm going to major just in this. Uh, every life experience, it's all about duality. So anybody who's experiencing a, a, a perceived struggle with addiction is also meant to experience recovery. We don't just come here to suffer. I mean, I don't believe that anyway. And in my own experience, I know that if recovery is possible for me, it's literally possible for anybody. Yes. And so because I hadn't gotten to that recovery part of the pre-birth plan yet, and my download was that this is the end timeline, that the great awakening is happening now. And so there's no time to waste. So all of my cereal boxes started to collide on top of each other. So my addiction, recovery, spiritual awakening all happened in the exact same moment. Now, it didn't have to be that way. The first time that I tried to enter recovery, I was 18 years old. And if I would have stayed on course with recovery then, I would have had a slow and steady, gradual spiritual awakening like like most people do. Right. But because I just kept taking the detour and not listening to the inner navigation system and it was like, make a U-turn, turn around, try again, <laughs> make a left. Rerouting, rerouting. Right, and I just kept ignoring it and just kept going down the highway that I was on. And so because of that, all of my boxes collided on top of each other. And so, you know, I hear people say all the time, wow, I wish I had some kind of profound experience, right. but I, it might sound nice when I say it the way that I say it now, but I cannot even explain to you how insanely chaotic and absolutely terrifying the whole experience was. I mean, I really thought that I was dead. I mean, sometimes I still <laughs> but I really thought that I was just dead and I was walking around earth and earth was purgatory. And I did not know how to get out of this hell that I was walking around in. And my life did seem like hell because of all of my outer circumstances, because I had no home and I had no money and I had no sanity and I had no dignity. And so my life really did seem like a nightmare. And so, yeah, you know, like I... I add, I don't necessarily, I don't advocate for anybody to overdose on drugs to experience <laughs> a spiritual awakening. That might not happen for you. It might be something totally different. You know, obviously plant medicine is something that's very prevalent in our collective right now. Everybody is talking about it and people right. are having profound spiritual experiences from it. These things are meant to be tools and they're not meant to be tools on everyone's path. My awakening did not happen out of some sacred plant medicine ceremony. My awakening happened out of the out of the gift of desperation, G-O-D, God. Like that was my God in that moment was being so desperate and the fact that it had to end. And whether it ended from, you know, me actually dying and having to be reborn and do it all over again, so tiring, or like that I could just kind of come into this awareness. So, you know, because of that download of the Great Awakening, I know that something is happening on a, a bigger scale. I would not have been awoken otherwise. And so, right. yeah, thank you for letting me share about that though. But yeah, you know, it was a crazy, crazy weird trip. And the synchronicities that took place after right. um, is really- Go there, because that was yeah. really cool. The AIDS yeah, yeah. in your bank account and the- I, I yeah. will go there. So- you know, like I thought that my whole experience was just drug-induced psychosis because who wouldn't? I was like a homeless meth head prostitute strung out on heroin. This was not part of my picture. 
So I just went about my life the way that I was living it. And I just kept trying to use and steal and manipulate and get money to get more drugs and keep doing the same merry-go-round that I had been doing my whole life. And then the universe stepped in in this really loud way and said, like, no, girl, this was a true experience. You got to stop doing what you're doing. And one of the main things, I mean, so many crazy things happened to me, but one of the things that happened to me was I ended up in a hospital. I don't even really know how I got there. And I was in a hospital bed. I woke up and all I could see was this was a name tag standing above me. And the name tag read Jeannie. And I looked up and I saw my mother's eyes in this woman's face. And my mother's name was Jane. And this woman's name was Jeannie. And so I, I think that I'm, I'm like, okay, well now I know I'm dead. Cause I'm staring at my dead mom. <laughs> She's been right. dead for 11 years. Like I definitely know that I'm dead now. And this woman was standing over me and she said, you know, I'm from the rehab on the ninth floor. I heard that you might have a drug problem and I want to see if I can help you. And so I think that I'm talking to my mother who I have major resentment against for leaving earth. Oh <laughs> and I'm God. like, I'm not going to do what you did. I don't need recovery. I don't need anything. And she was like, okay, well, just so that you know, that's I'm on the ninth floor if you need me. And I, I don't know, you know, like I went up there. I went up there to go see what she had to say, thinking that it was going to be some healing experience with my dead mother. And I walk into her office and she's got this sign behind her and it says, what mommy does, baby does. And oh it was actually an ad. It was an ad for transferring drugs through breast milk about preventing that. Wow. But in my head, I'm I'm talking to a woman whose name is Jeannie. My mom's name is Janie. She's got the same eyes as my mother and a sign behind her that says, what mommy does, baby does. So wow. now my brain has officially exploded out of my head. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, maybe my experience, maybe that was a real thing that happened to me. Maybe I really do need to get off of drugs. But it didn't happen that day. I left this woman's office just thinking that it was a coincidence. And then more of these quote unquote coincidences started happening to me. And I, yeah, I experienced a spontaneous healing out of heroin withdrawal because I was so sick and drugs just stopped working. All my dealers simultaneously stopped dealing. Just amazingly strange coincidences, these divine synchronicities. Right. And I, yeah, I was on day three of withdrawal and I thought to myself, I'm going to have to kill myself to make this pain stop because it was so unbearable. And I heard a voice in my head and it said that I could request what I wanted fixed. And so I was in the throes of desperation and I just said, okay, strange voice, I want to no longer be physically dependent on heroin. And the voice told me to lay back and I counted backwards from 10 and as I did, these two little men appeared in my mind's eye. And every time I tell the story, I see them again. And they're like, you we're do? still here. <laughs> you know, every single time. Huh. I'm like, we're still here. We're here to help whenever you need us. Um, these two little men, they had these lawnmowers. And they started mapping out my mind. And they were going through every crevice of my mind. And every time that they took a step, I could feel these intense, hot tingles in the space that they were. And I just knew that something divine was happening. And when they were done mapping out my mind, I felt somebody draw X's across my forehead. That's what it felt like. And then a plunger on the crown of my head and this bright white flash. And in that moment, I was instantaneously healed out of day three of heroin withdrawal. I mean, moments before I was sick all over myself, welcoming death. And then there I was completely well and healed and fine. And so in that moment, the realization came to me 
because I felt so unworthy, you know, like for the contrast of my life, I was an atheist. I was an orphan to suicide. I was a drug addict, a prostitute. I was a liar, a manipulator, a thief. I was a rapist. I was a racist. I had caused all sorts of terrible harm to other people. And there I was bestowed with the grace of the universe and I was healed Right. And I just felt so unworthy. And in that moment, I had this realization that there is no such thing as condemnation. If I can be loved as a spark of the divine, then anybody can be. And I have to remember that with anybody. And that doesn't give me a right to go out and continue to do harm. I've experienced a miracle. I know that if I can experience a miracle, anybody can. And so today I choose to live my life aligned with spiritual principles because it feels better. It feels good to live my life being of service to other people, being of service to the universe, you know, and creating conscious space and holding space and listening and smiling at strangers on the street or whatever I'm called to do in the moment to feel like I'm fulfilling some sort of purpose. doesn't need to be something rigid, just whatever it is moment to moment. So that experience solidified, okay, this is not a drug-induced hallucination. This something crazy is actually happening. Something miraculous, something amazing is happening. And then I found myself on this train. Well, number one, I went out onto the New York City subway system because I, I was like trying to lay hands on homeless drug addicts and be like, I have the power to heal. God has given me <laughs> power to heal. And I thought that if I was healed, that I would probably be able to heal. And so I tried to go out and heal people. I was touching touching homeless drug addicts. They were like, please get away from me. I was that crazy mm. person on the train. And then I was just sitting on a train and, and there was nobody in the train car, which is bizarre for New York City. And then the doors opened and this man appeared. He came in and he sat directly across from me. A whole empty train car. He sat directly across from me. And he had a 12-step fellowship necklace on for Narcotics Anonymous. And I knew that it was a sign and that I had to enter recovery and that this was my path. And so I asked him if he was going to a meeting and I followed him. And that was the day that I stopped using drugs altogether. And it was about two weeks after my healing and about three months after my experience in heaven. So it wasn't just like some miraculous, okay, I'm all better. It was like, is this real? Am I supposed to do this? How am I ever going to learn how to live a new life? I mean, I can't even explain to you who I was before this whole awakening process. It's not the person that's sitting here today. No, I mean, I saw the before pictures, <laughs> Betty. Oh my gosh. And I was listening to something where, where, did you used to do Instagram lives like from your shower to like oh get... So embarrassing. Yes, yes. So before my awakening, um, I had an Instagram where I would just get naked and eat psychedelics. <laughs> and I thought that nobody would ever listen to me unless I was naked, that nobody would ever want to hear anything I had to say. And I had to like sexualize myself to get people to listen to me. And yeah, so very embarrassingly, uh, I would, this is, this is what I would do because my awareness was starting to crack open from the psychedelics, but not in any kind of spiritual way. Just like I started to have bigger thoughts than just, I use drugs and I prostitute myself. And I, I started thinking like, what is earth? How are we all on earth? You know, and things like that. And then once yeah. I had the awakening and I started to educate myself and my education came through just reading, insatiably reading every and anything that I could get my hands on. 
And, um, but yeah, I used to have an Instagram where I was a debaucherous, hedonist mess. And then that shift into this version of me is so humbling. And like, it's such a great cosmic joke. I feel my spirit guides and my angels are constantly giggling at my shift. Oh my gosh. But now you can channel like Archangel Michael, you know, like you're talking about your gifts. Yeah, yeah. So I had a lot of gifts blasted open right after the experience. And, you know, I went from zero awareness to a million awareness in basically the span of a couple of weeks. And so my gifts, they scared me so tremendously. And I thought that I was losing my mind because there was just no, there was no readily available information for me. One of the first things that I did after I met that man on the train was I went into a long-term drug rehabilitation center and I spent a year and a half there. And so I didn't have access to the internet or a cell phone for a year and a half. So it wasn't like I could just Google things or look things up on YouTube and find answers. So I just started reading books and trying to find answers that way. But one of my first gifts was that I could open up books to random pages and there would be a light box around what I was supposed to read. So I went to Walgreens and I stole a Bible because I really (laughs) felt like I needed one, but I didn't have any money. And I figured God would forgive me for stealing a Bible. (laughs) This is when you were in the the home? This is right before I went into the, right before I went into the rehab because I was concerned. I knew that I probably had to do treatment, but I, you know, it's just, it's such a big shift because my whole life was just medicating and sedating myself. And then they were telling me that, you know, like my guides were like, you have to go into treatment. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. So I pick up this Bible, I open it up to a random page and there's this big highlighted section. It's only highlighted in my eyes. It's not, there's not any mark in the book, but the section that I opened it up to and read was, I'm gonna, I'm not going to be able to quote it verbatim, but you know, the birds do not worry about how they're going to eat. And so that was my confirmation about how scared I was about doing something new. How am I going to survive? Don't worry about it. The birds don't worry about how they're going to survive. You're going to be okay. And then the channeling started. And I started to channel archangels every morning and... You know, they sometimes they were messages directly for me, and sometimes they were like very general messages for the collective. And again, you know, I was trapped in a rehab with 25 other women who were all also healing from their addiction in the middle of Bedsty, Brooklyn. And there wasn't really like a great space for me to be like, guys, Archangel Michael loves us all and wants us <laughs> to know this is all for a reason. <laughs> so I kind of started to dial that stuff down. And it really started to dial down a lot for me when I found A Course in Miracles. And A Course in Miracles is a metaphysical text channeled by Jesus. And it's a reprogramming and there's a workbook inside of it. So I was able to take all of my gifts and all of this overabundance of energy that I had, this spiritual energy that I was so lit up with. And I really focused it into learning that Course in Miracles material. And it gave me a great sense of grounding and integration because I was floating in outer space. I was all over the place, super flighty. Uh And then finding the text that really resonated for me was my grounding experience for sure. When you were in that rehab place for all those months and just reading, how are you finding these books? Because I'm thinking you were even reading Gabby Bernstein's um, The Universe Has Your Back, you know, and like they're so, I mean, from that to The Course in Miracles and, but how are you collecting and reading these? 
Yeah. So just divine intervention. The stories are so beautiful and synchronistic. One day, one of the girls went out to the dentist in Harlem and she brought back a bunch of these Rosicrucian magazines and Rosicrucians is, well, it's basically like a secret society of mystics, modern day Mm -hmm. mystics. Uh, It's not really a secret society. They're well known, but it, it was basically like the Freemasons, but this was a more mystical version of that. And um, she brought home all these magazines and it was all about alchemy and law of attraction and manifesting your reality. And she just put them on my bunk bed and she said, I don't know, I felt like maybe you would like these. Uh-huh. And so that that was one synchronicity. And then they would take us to the library once a week. And there was this tiny little section on religion and spirituality. And I would just walk up to it and I would just see what would grab my eye. And I just knew that whatever was grabbing my eye was part of that gift of bibliomancy, like being able to open up a book to a random page. It was going to be the same thing with grabbing a book. And so, and I had lots and lots of free time. So I could read lots and lots of books. But that's where I found a book called A Course in Miracles Made Easy by Alan. Oh, Cohen. yes, I have that. Yeah, and I devoured it. In one day, I just, I didn't sleep and until I finished the book. And then I started reading a bunch of books about the course because I didn't know who had written the course. There was a girl in the rehab and she was really into Gabby Bernstein. So she let me borrow those books. And Gabby Bernstein talked about the course all the time. And so I thought she wrote it because I didn't know anything about it. (laughs) So I kept going to the library and like, I'm looking for this book, A Course in Miracles by Gabrielle Bernstein. And she's like, that book doesn't (laughs) exist. And I'm like, you're wrong. I know that it exists. But I thought maybe the universe didn't want me to have it yet. And then one of the clinical directors, they would check our bags when we would go home to make sure we didn't have alcohol or contraband on us. And she saw that I had all these books about A Course in Miracles. And she said, oh, you know, I actually have a copy of the course. I got it 30 years ago. I couldn't understand one word of it. It's just been (laughs) sitting on my bookshelf collecting dust for three decades. Do you want to borrow it? And I was like, do I ever? Yes, please. (laughs) I would love to borrow it. And that was my journey in starting that. And I did the course while I was in that program. And it was so transformational for me. Oh, neat. What the other gift you did, I'd never heard of bibliomancy, whatever, however you say that. What is it? Bibliomancy. Bibliomancy. And I do that too with books. You know, I love doing that, but I didn't know that's what, I've never heard that word. And then the other one was where you have all the tech, you can like breathe and smell and hear and everything like what is that synesthesia. called? Synthesthesia. Synthesthesia. A very small percentage of people have this, but definitely a lot of people after their spiritual awakenings do experience it where all of your senses become intertwined. So I could feel what I was tasting or I could smell what I was hearing and all of my senses were intertwined and it was like everything was assigned, like every number had a color assigned to it or a texture Mm -hmm. assigned to it. And it was like everything became very intertwined within my senses. And that also dialed down. My gifts now aren't nearly as pronounced as they were when I first had my awakening. Now my spiritual gifts are things like fostering spiritual community together, like finding people that belong in specific spaces and ushering them to each other or holding conscious space like you're doing right now, creating that space for people to 
stand really proud and loud in their spiritual experiences and not be scared to talk about these things because they sound crazy to a person who isn't open-minded to this part of the universe. I know that if I, me 10 years ago, if I heard myself talking now, I would be like, you are such a loser, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because I just wouldn't understand. And so I would automatically have written it off. Right. So I love giving space, especially when somebody's never shared about their experience before. I think that it's so important to foster that feeling of safety and security and understanding for people who are just coming out of the quote unquote spiritual closet. Right. And you have been married twice and now three times, three times. I was wrong. Missed one. But to have a relationship, I mean, one passed away, right? I had a boyfriend that passed away. A boyfriend. Yeah. You know, and all of my relationships were while I was in active addiction. Yeah. I did have a boyfriend that passed away right before my awakening. And then, so when you're in these relationships, I I mean, I'm picturing you, you know, you were 23 and your sister was 18 when your mom and dad committed suicide. So you'd had high school and I haven't really heard that part of how you even, did you get graduate? No, I dropped out of high school. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you're like thinking of, because my daughter's 17, you know, going to graduate this year. You know, and I'm like, you know, she wasn't on drugs. She's not on drugs. But, you know, when you think of you and your mom and dad, that family dynamic and how they raised you on drugs, that's fascinating to me because they didn't even care if you dropped out, that they weren't in that, they weren't even like oblivious. They were just kind of like uh, floating. (laughs) I think that everybody is just operating out of their own level of consciousness. So I don't think that my parents are innately bad because they didn't take an active interest in my evolution as a person because nobody did that for them. So they didn't even know that they were supposed to do that. You know, the most advice that my mom gave me was like, you have to marry somebody who's going to take care of you. It wasn't even like you can take care of yourself. That was never even a thought that was planted in my head. It was just like, you just kind of find somebody that you can convince to marry you so that you're (laughs) taken care of forever. Wow. And and so, yeah, but that's because that's how she was raised. And so she was only operating out of the level of consciousness that she had because that's how her mother was raised. And so, you know, for me, breaking all of those generational curses, you know, some people call them curses, but breaking all those generational patterns has been the most exhilarating part of this journey to realize that all of those truths that I was told when I was young, none of them are true. None of them are are rooted in any sort of fact. And I can create my own definitions of relationships and a life of success. And, you know, it's really up to me. I'm the creator. Right. And I love how you say, I was telling somebody about you the other day about the most powerful thing is your thoughts. Like you, you're the, even the words you speak and you're about affirmations and everything. And I'm such about, I'm huge about that. But I'm also, so, I'm like the, um, the word police. Like if I hear, I heard you on a podcast and the guy was kind of, he was addicted to smoking pot, right? And you were trying to teach him like, well, you are because you keep talking about it, you know? But I I am the word police because I hear the girls talk. It's all about your creating your life through the words you speak and the thoughts you think. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that particular person, him and I have been friends for many years. Right. So I think I was kind I, of I enjoyed that. chops too. But <laughs> yeah, you know, our words are so powerful. Even things like 
I always put the word perceived in front of stuff. So I never say like, I suffered with this or I suffer from addiction. I perceive that I suffer from addiction mm-hmm. or like, I don't usually use the word suffer, but you know, like things like that. I can put a fit, like a, a bouncer word in front of anything, you know, like I'm not sick. I'm perceiving that I'm sick right, right. now or things like that because the universe is all about call and response. So that's one of the things that I learned about the law of attraction. So my thoughts do shape my reality. My thoughts before were, I'm impoverished. I'm a drug addict. I have to do depraved things to make money. I hate my life. And so that was my experience because I kept affirming those things each and every day I would wake up and I would make the same affirmation about my life. And so today I've changed my thoughts around along with doing the healing that goes in between that. It's not, you can't just start affirming good things and like expect for them to come. If you have underlying wounds, your wounds are always going to get kicked up and triggered to create that same experience until you heal it. But now through all of the healing work that I've done, my thoughts are different. I love my life and I'm I'm an abundant individual. I'm surrounded by spiritual community. I make money doing things that I love. And so that's my reality today. And just by changing the thoughts. And again, I had to do some healing work in between, but the healing work actually becomes fun after a while. Like at first it can be a little uncomfortable, but For me, I was able to develop this really amazing friendship with Source, you know, like with my guides, my Mm -hmm. angels, my higher power. And at first it felt like a condemning parent, like you have to do this work. And then it was like a loving parent, like, oh, isn't that work fun? And now it's just like my best friend is with me and like watching me evolve and grow as this individual here having this experience. And so the healing process has been really fun. And now I get to do that with other people. You know, I'm a coach. I have a private practice. I also work at a clinic in Harlem. I don't get to really utilize this spiritual stuff in the clinical setting, but in my private coaching business, I absolutely do. And, you know, we grow and evolve together. And and it's it's an amazing, amazing thing. Like five years ago, I was eating out of a dumpster. And right. today people pay me to help me help help them transform their lives. Amazing. It's wild, totally oh, crazy. That. Yeah. Um, so t- you talk about shadow work. Mm-hmm. And I loved it because you name your addiction Richard, which is my husband's name. Oh my God. So, <laughs> so I was cracking up. But we because I think that's cool when I've never heard that before, how you put him in a glass. Explain shadow work. So you'll hear the the term shadow work a lot in different spiritual communities. And basically it's about healing trauma and integrating your darkness. So taking the shadow version of you and integrating it into the light. Now I can't banish any of the parts of myself, even though I terribly want to at many moments in my life. And there's a lot of different facets to me as a soul, like having this human experience. So my main personality profile for 22 years of my life was my active addiction. And so what I did was I compartmentalized the versions of myself. I gave them personalities, outfits, like visual imagery for me to see them. And I named them and they all have voices. And so because I've done that, I've made it clear to my higher self, to my actual self, that I am not these other versions of myself. These are just shadow versions of me. This is not the true me. The true me is source energy. 
but I am here having a human experience. So I got to figure out how to utilize all the tools that I can to integrate that. So my addiction's name is Richard. He's a gay man. He wears like all (laughs) white linen suit and he lives inside of this glass house inside my mind. Now, like when I first came into recovery, I just wanted to smash Richard to bits to like murder him, chop him up, like put him in a, you know, a wood chipper. I wanted him destroyed and gone. But I realized that he protected me from everything in my life. You know, like the death of my parents, especially that trauma was so significant. I mean, I barely remember my life before that trauma. Like mm-hmm. you don't hear me talk about childhood or high yeah, school or anything because I, I don't even remember. Okay. I don't even remember because I was huh. so traumatized by that. But that's when my addiction really stepped in and became my parent. And so it was so hard for me to let go of him. And the grief process around letting go of that version of myself was so painful because my addiction was so convincing when it told me that it was, it loved me and that it was never going to leave me. And it's true. My addiction is never going to leave me, but today it's in the background. And so, yeah, he stays inside this glass house inside my mind because I can't let him out. And, but he talks through the little seams of the house and he's like, go into that bar. <laughs> it doesn't matter that you have almost five years in recovery. Let's go party. And, but you know, that like, does come through. He does. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not I'm not cured, you know, like right. I'm I'm still a person. You know, for me the addiction is not really about the drugs, it's about feeling. I have these really big I mean we all do. Have these huge feelings and I just don't think that I can handle them, so I want to grab at other things to try to sedate them. And so when I let go of drugs, it became a holding with food. I started okay. binging and purging and eating disorders became my whole life and all of them. It wasn't just like one. It was like every eating disorder, you know? And so I had to get that all under control. And I used the same tools. I labeled the different aspects of the different eating disorders. And I and I asked them, what do you need from me? Like, what do you need to know that you're going to come with me, but I can't have you running the show? And so little by little, after doing all this work, I my inner saboteur she is quite a character and she comes up all the time too. As soon as success starts to creep into my life, she's there because she thinks that if we go to the next level, she's not coming with me. And so every morning I cover my inner saboteur in pink light, pink healing light. And I take her with me throughout the day. My inner child too. She's so wounded and dirty and battered and she needs a healed inner parent to take her for the ride. And so she, I carry her on my hip all the time, you know, and all of this inner work, it really glues me back together throughout my life. And I think most people's lives are so many experiences that happen to us and they fracture us into these little tiny shards of glass. So this particular healing modality is really the glue that has bound me back together. And so this is what I take other people through as well, is dissecting the different parts of themselves and then bringing them together in a healing space. Wow. I just love that. That really, I learned a lot from that. When you talk about this, you know, everyone's talking about the great awakening. That word is definitely one of the words that we talk about a lot these days. But you explain it because you've seen it from heaven right? (laughs) From the table and explain that, the cycle and how we're at the end and how you see and explain that great awakening and what we're doing and why we talk about 3D versus 5D and how you, all that stuff. 
So yeah, Earth's ascension cycle is every 25,900 years and we're at the end of the cycle. And so again, this is, these are all stories, you know, A Course in Miracles teaches me that I live inside of a dream. And so this is the story that gets me through my dream. This is what makes me happy in my dream is I love connecting with other people who also have found the same information. So for me, the great awakening is about this transformation of consciousness. So like you'll hear lots of people say we're going from 3D to 5D, but what does that mean? So a third dimensional level of thinking is an ego-centered thought system. So it's rooted around self-centeredness, materialism, consumerism, things like that, like just kind of being selfish. And a 5D level of thought is more around God-centeredness. And if you don't like the word God, spirit-centeredness, service-centeredness. It's about being of service to the collective itself. And it's also about having thoughts that are more aligned with spiritual principles like acceptance, tolerance, honesty, open-mindedness, willingness, brotherly love, unconditional love, things like that. So it's not necessarily, you know, that the world is going to end in fire and brimstone and and, and earth will (laughs) shake us all off like fleas. And then that will be that. It's really about finding that internal change inside of you. It doesn't actually have anything to do with the outer world. As you change your inner world, your outer world will automatically transform. And if enough of us do that, then we take over the collective consciousness with that shift. And that's the great awakening. Right. And you talk about Dolores Cannon or, how her, I love her books, the volunteers and that you're in the second wave and you were a star seed from Orion. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, those are all the stories that really resonate for me. And those are the stories that helped me get through this earth experience. Now, one of the things that happened to me in my spiritual experience was when I woke up in heaven, it actually felt like I had woken up from a dream. And I could only grab three seconds of my life. The only thing that I could remember was that my parents had committed suicide out of 35 years of life at that point in time. So these teachers and these theories about like light workers and star seeds, they resonate so deeply for me. It almost combines the conceptions of science fiction and spirituality. And I love that so much, but it's also because it resonates and because it's some of my downloads from my own personal spiritual experience. So for me, the origin of being an Orion light, an Orion star seed is really about the dark and the light. And um, if you've ever like heard the plot or seen the movie Star Wars, that's basically stemmed from what happened on the constellation of Orion, that there was a battle between light and dark. And so some of us signed up after that to come here to transmute light and dark for Earth as well. And a lot of volunteers have never been to Earth before. I have. I have been to Earth for the entirety of it. And I think that's why I was so geared up to take on so much. I'm like, oh, Earth, I've done that. I've done that before. (laughs) No problem. I'll take it all on, you know? Thank you. You were explaining the waves of volunteers and how you know you're in the second wave and the third wave. Are we, are the third waves coming? Yeah. So the waves of volunteers, the way that Dolores Cannon explains it is that uh, basically it's generational. So the first wave of volunteers uh, were reaching maturity around the psychedelic revolution. So the, the late 1960s, early 70s. And 
According to some information, a lot of those volunteers ended up committing suicide because they just couldn't take the density of Earth or they thought that they were on the path to revolution and then it was kind of thwarted and went in a different direction and they weren't expecting that. So second wave of volunteers would be people who are like early millennials and like late Gen Xers. So people now that would be like in their 40s and and 50s. And um, and those people that have really come to do that conscious trauma healing. And then the third wave of volunteers are teenagers, children. A lot of the third wave volunteers have come into form as autistic individuals because they can bring in much more light with this perceived societal disability, but it actually, most people who have autism, they don't understand social constructs. So they're already like light years ahead of us in evolution because they don't conform to the ideas that have been ingrained inside of the rest of us. Right. And so they have like, you know, they don't understand. They're they're literally going off of pure light because they're just going off of pure consciousness. And um, And yeah, you know, like, the volunteers have signed up for this transmutation of of energy and they're all very strong spiritual warriors. And if it's something that resonates for anybody out there listening, you're more than likely a volunteer if just hearing the word resonates for you. So when you look at it from your perspective now, do you say like a, your soul, so your higher self is still in heaven, right? You're just a portion of your soul is in Betty's body. And are there other parts of your soul, other places? Everything is happening simultaneously all at the exact same moment. So I am everywhere all at once. Like you are me, I am you. Like we're actually just the same energy radiating out. But yeah, I believe that I'm on other galaxies right now. I'm doing other things. Right now I'm focused on my earth mission, right? This is the personality that I've come into form to play. I do feel a very strong connection to my higher self while I'm in form now. And it's not all day, every day. You know, there's some days when I feel like I'm really walking blind in the world. Uh, But for the most part, I have tools to dial back in. But yeah, you know, like this is the world that I'm focused on. And, you know, now that I've done so much healing, Earth is actually really fun. And I dare even say that I would come back here again and do it all (laughs) over again. Now, if you would have asked me four years ago if I would ever come back to Earth, I would have spit in your face. (laughs) No way, you know. But now I actually do feel happy being here because number one, I know that it's temporary. And number two, it's really about creating connection with other people. Every time I make a connection with another person, like right now, how we're connecting, this feels like heaven. And so as long as I can find little windows where I can experience things like that, even if it's just smiling at a stranger on the street or somebody opens a door for me, that feels like heaven. And so I just try to find those moments to keep bringing heaven here. When you explain being in heaven is more real than being here, can you explain that? Yeah, <laughs> probably not well, that I would understand. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's a great way to explain it, but you know, the fact that I see the world kind of like a simulation and a video game is a really good way for me to explain that real versus not real. Now, sometimes people can look at nature and be like, wow, that's so beautiful, right? But I look mm-hmm. at nature and I'm like, I know that that's not real. <laughs> I mean, huh. it's really pretty, but I know that it's not real because I, you know, from my own spiritual experience and from talking to thousands of near death experiencers, 
everybody says the same thing, that that is actually home and that this is a dream. And it's the same thing like when you dream at night with your eyes closed, sometimes you're in a dream and it feels wonderful and you never want to leave, right? And then sometimes you're in a nightmare. So for me, heaven being more real than here just means that I'm not trapped inside this tiny little suit when I'm in heaven. So it Mm. feels so much more real because I'm actually myself there and I'm free and I'm connected to my source on an every second basis. And do you feel like people are just like wanting to be here so bad to, to be part of this experience or like, do you, when you say like, you'd come back, what does that process look like in heaven when we're souls trying to figure out where we're going to focus, right? Where we're, where we're going to put that focus. So we're everywhere else at the same time. I think that it's like a roller coaster. So, you know, when you go to an amusement park and you're online for like 45 minutes waiting to get on some 40 second roller coaster, and then you go on and you finish and you're like, that was awesome. I'm going to do it again. And then you go back and you wait online all over again. And maybe you try a different seat on the roller coaster. Now you're in the back instead of the front. So I think that that's kind of the, the decision process. I think that it's something as arbitrary as that. Like, oh, that was a fun ride. It was really quick. Let me go back and do it again. And um, and the thing about signing up for different lessons as well, like, okay, well, I experienced life as a white woman this time, and now I want to go back and experience life as a Chinese man. Or, you know, like there's all so many different options of experiences to choose. So I know that for the evolvement of our souls is something that sounds really nice. But when you think about things on like an even higher perspective, our souls are already all the way evolved. We are source. We are the infinite. But again, like that linear thought process, like, so if I want to think of my soul getting to the graduate level of soul school, I'm going to keep coming back and learning different lessons so that my soul can be completely encompassed in all experience. And I heard somebody describe it like childbirth, right? Like you're a mom. So, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Your pregnancy, you're super uncomfortable. It's painful. It's no fun. Right. And then you have to go through childbirth. Like that's got to be the worst. Oh my God. Then you have this amazing end result, right? The unconditional right. love of this little baby being. And then you do it all over again. Right. You go, you yeah. forget all about the pain and the discomfort and how terrible it all is. And you do it all over again. And I think that's why we keep coming back to earth over and over and over again, because we don't even care how uncomfortable it is while we're here. We know that the end result is that reconnection to source and that remembrance. And so we'll just do it over and over and over again, as many times as source will let us. And do you see like your parents and your sister and you're not really connected to your sister right now, right? Yeah. You know, my active addiction definitely damaged a lot of relationships in my life. My sister slowly, casually opens the door to me every once in a while. And I'm really grateful for that, you know, and I have to also watch my own sort of codependency around that. Like I crave that relationship so badly that I could very easily push it away because that's what the law of attraction says, that whatever I do not have, I will not ever have. So I take what I can get in that arena. I have a wonderful cousin. She's like my sister. She's been with me through every part of this journey. She's watched my evolution and she's so happy that I'm safe and not, I mean, I was chaotic and reckless before, you know? And, um, you know, my parents' spirits, my father's my number one spirit guide. He's always with me. In fact, his symbol is a fox. And today I'm wearing my fox sweater. So he's really 
I don't really communicate with my mother as much. I don't really feel her presence in that way. I feel like I have embodied her spirit in so many ways. I'm healing so much of her trauma. I really feel her within me more than like outside of me. So, and you know, my sister doesn't, she doesn't understand what I'm talking about when I say this stuff and that's okay. She doesn't have to. Um, But this is, yeah, my part of that journey. And um, those are my connections with them. Yeah. So when you were in heaven and you were, you were shown a baby and it was like, you have to go back and do that again. When I'm wrapping my mind around that thing, like you wanted to stay and not come back to earth because it was just awful. Like it was just, you're feeling like, this is amazing. I don't, I can't imagine going back. And they said, well, you can go back as this baby. Can you explain that? And then we'll end. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, because I was so adamant that I will not go back. And then they told me that I had to go back and I said, well, I can't go back into her body. Like her body is destroyed. She's done so much crazy stuff to it. Like there's no way to heal that. And they said, you don't have to go back into her, but you do have to go back because you have to finish your life cart. And so we'll show you the baby that you'll be born into. And so this baby was going to be born into a certain family line that was going to have a lot of the same life experiences that I needed to complete and transmute from my original grocery cart. But then she also had deeper levels of societal adversity from me because of the family line that she was going to be born into. So I was going to have the option that I would have to start from zero and then do it all over again to complete the cart and transmute the energy. Or I could come back into my body and just pick up where I left off. And, you know, those two options didn't seem great. I really didn't want to do either of them. But I figured if I if it's zero or halfway through, I'm going to go halfway through. And, you know, they were they were very comforting in that they told me that my life was not going to be nearly as challenging as it was, that I was going to have soulmates and teachers and kindred spirits and mentors and communities, and that I was not going to be alone on the rest of my journey. And I was also going to be living in spiritual awareness, so everything would be much, much different. And they said, Mm -hmm. trust us. And I said, I don't trust you guys. (laughs) Today, I do trust them, (laughs) but then I definitely didn't. Are they a higher level? Like when you talk about them, like if we're all one, why are they speaking as an authority? I perceive them as the collective consciousness. So like they are kind of that force that rules thought. And so like for me, the them is like this spiritual them. And it's like this spiritual entity that kind of controls the laws of the universe, you know, the law of attraction, the law of assumption. And those are the people that are kind of guiding all of that. That's the way that I see it. Again, totally linear way of saying it out loud. In reality, none of that is even real. (laughs) None of it exists. (laughs) Me and you don't exist right now on a much higher level. But, you know, this is what makes it fun. Like having, having this experience and being able to conceptualize it and put it into words and talk about it and debate about it and conceptualize and find what resonates in our hearts and keep going from there. Yeah. Oh, Betty, see, I could, there's so many more things I could ask you. Oh, I just loved it so much. And I went over and I'm so appreciative and grateful for your time. Tell everybody where they can find you. And you have a podcast on the near-death experience website, right? Because I was listening to some. 
So I, I'm on all social media. My handle is Buddha Betty. It's a play on words on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, YouTube. And I also host a podcast for the International Association for Near-Death Studies. The acronym is IONS. And that's also on YouTube. And the podcast is called Explore the Extraordinary. And we talk about all mystical and spiritual experiences there. And, um, and yeah, you know, I'm so grateful for this space. Thank you so much for creating Conscious Space. It's so incredibly important. And I appreciate you showing up for your assignment. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you're so cute. And you're writing a book, right? I am. Yes, I'm writing a book. And what on your life story or what? Yeah, you know, I'm still kind of ironing that out. I feel like I want to conceptualize not only aspects of my life. Well, number one, like a memoir would never sell from somebody that nobody knew. So like, should it be a fiction book? Should it be a real book? I kind of want to make a workbook about ways to help your, help people heal themselves and guide them through some of the tools that I used to heal myself and some of the downloads that I received. So I got a lot of conceptions inside this this little monkey mind of mine, and I'm trying to get them all out onto paper. Oh, love it. Can't wait. Oh, so fun. Thank you so much. So much, Betty. It was so fun to meet you finally in person or on so Zoom. Much. It was in person until I come to New York or you come to San Diego. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much for this space. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.